The trailer for The Mandalorian was released this week. What baby version of a Star Wars character is Mando picking up this season? Uh, as the newest uh, member of the Star Wars fandom, Lydia, let's start with you. I don't know if it counts as a character, but I think you should find a little baby Tauntaun and take that with him. Ah, you stole my answer! Ha! <laughs> <laughs> I win. <laughs> a, ba- a baby Tauntaun that acts like a puppy. Yes! I mean, that is the cutest thing ever. Uh, <laughs> I guess I'll have to go with my backup answer, which is a baby BB-8. Which would that be a B BB eight? Yes. B B B B eight? That's too many B's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't like how many letters are there. <laughs> uh Tabitha. Uh so I was gonna go with a baby Ewok until I remembered that I saw that there are new Babu Freak uh little plushies out now, and now I want a baby Babu Freak which is also hard to say, <laughs> or, I, or I want a baby at at that acts like a dog. Yes. Yeah. Well, like a tiny little at at running around my house. <laughs> I, feel like a, I feel like an at at would be more of a cat. A cat cat. Yeah. A cat cat. You're probably right. <laughs> and Matt. Uh, I'm going way off here on this one. Um, I want a baby rancor. That checks out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Disney Plus, if you're listening, which I know you are because, you know, you're everywhere. <laughs> nope. Nope. You're listening to The Geek Awakens with Mitch, Matt, Tabitha, Lydia, and Pickett. Uh, a little bit of local news. Guy Gilchrist, who is the creator of the Muppets Daily comic strip and also worked on the Nancy comic strip for 22 years, uh, will be at 217 Comics Cards and Games uh, from September 23rd through the 25th. Uh, he is going to host a two-hour Art of our art of Cartooning workshop um, as well as uh, he'll have like a meet and greet for and draw with fans uh, talk about the art of cartooning, things like that. He's also going to have original art pieces on sale. Uh, so he will be there on September 23rd from 4 to 10 p.m. Uh, September 24th from noon to 8 p.m. Uh, the workshop then is the workshop is that day. It's from 6 to 8. And then September 25th from noon to 6. Uh, all events are going to adhere to COVID-19 capacity restrictions and masks are required. Uh the events are free and open to the uh, public except for the workshop, which is $10. So, nice. Yeah. So props to 217. Yeah, this is really cool. Um, yeah. No, I'm excited. All right. So we have a ton of stuff to talk about. And even though I say that every week, I'm serious this time. Yeah. <laughs> and we're actually we're going to start with something that uh, was released today. Matt, you've got some uh, casting news on She-Hulk. I do. So, yes, reported today, um, Tatiana... Maslany. Thank you. You're welcome. Ugh. Tatiana Maslany, um, of Orphan Black fame. I can't even word tonight. Um, 
is going to be playing Jennifer Walters slash She-Hulk for the Disney Plus series. Um, It was announced earlier this week that Kat Coiro uh, is going to direct and produce. And we already knew this, but it is going to be penned by the Rick and Morty writer, uh, Jessica Gao. So we officially have our Jennifer Walters. Um, No information on production, other casts, etc. But at least we know who is going to be playing um, our heroine. And I, I guess I can't really speak to her acting because I've never even heard of her before today. But uh, hi, I'm sorry. I've, I haven't watched Orphan Black. My bad. It's a treasure and you should. <laughs> I mean, I haven't either, but I at least know who she is. But <laughs> She's a treasure. <laughs> I'm with you, Mitch. It's okay. Thank <laughs> you. She is either. Thank you, Lydia. Uh, but like, I can't speak to her acting ability or anything. And I should trust Marvel Studios because they haven't gotten the casting wrong yet, but she doesn't really feel like she doesn't have the She-Hulk look to me. So I can speak to her acting credit after 400,000 seasons of Orphan Black and Tatiana Vislane plays, I don't know if you know the concept of Orphan Black, but her acting chops, like how she never won everything is beyond me because she essentially plays like nine different characters all at the same time, most of which are in the same scenes together. They're going back and forth. They're having banter. And it's all her in different outfits, wigs, accents, everything. Uh, She's fantastic. And most of the time when she's not looking like she does, like if you look at like screen caps of Orphan Black, like you wouldn't even know it's her in some of the costume choices they put her in. So... I think she's got this. I have no interest in She-Hulk. Um, I have problems with She-Hulk, but um, I don't have any interest in this, but Tatiana Maslany is going to make me have interest in watching She-Hulk. Okay. I am curious how they're going to work with her height. Because she's only 5'4", and She-Hulk yeah, is she's not short. short. Oh, no. She's like 6'. Six 6'7". Plus. Six, yeah. Hmm. Well... I mean, they were able to make it work in the Hobbit movie, or Hobbit and Lord of the Rings movies. And all the Harry Potter movies, they made Rupert Grant look taller. True. And Robbie Coltrane. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Made him look, like, all tall. Yeah. Haggerty. Haggerty. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. It's a new new verb. What's he look like? Uh, He's Haggerty. (laughs) So... Speaking of Harry Potter, this is going to be a nice little segue into a not really fun conversation. Um, so JK Rowling is in the news again. Uh, <laughs> she's got, she's got a new book out. It's called trouble blood. Uh, she wrote it under the pseudonym Robert Goldbraith. Uh, and it features a serial killer who dresses in women's clothes to make it easier to get to his female victims. Uh, there was some outcry over the internet because a lot of people feel like this is just another example in a list of examples of JK Rowling showing her transphobicness. Mm-hmm. That's not a word, but I'm making it one now. That's- <laughs> uh, the thing is though, like I, I read a couple of different reviews on this on purpose. Uh, Cause it's, it's weird because like, Some articles are saying how um, this is uh, like, so like Dennis Creed, who is the killer in question uh, is only one in a list of possible subjects um, 
or suspects. This is that one was from the Guardian. But then, like you know, sources like the Daily Beast talk about how uh, it describes passages, including one in a doctor's office, uh, debating if an unregistered patient is a lady or a man in a dress. Uh, so it's like some people who are are coming to her defense saying, well, it's it's not transphobia. It's, you know, a very small part of this character, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I can get that. I can understand that. I think my biggest thing with J.K. Rowling, because this isn't an isolated incident with her, you know. Um, so if I were her, I wouldn't have included this aspect of the character just so that I could avoid any kind of, you know, potential... Backlash. Uh, backlash, thank you. But she doesn't want to avoid the backlash. Like, the woman is literally giving back awards that she's won for being inclusive. Because she's like, oh, I'm not inclusive anymore. I get it. Take this away because this is what I believe. Like, I, like she doesn't care is the thing. Like, she does not care. Like, she put that in there on purpose. Like, I have no doubt in my mind. And, like, she probably went to her editors with it, and her editors probably came to her with it, and they were like, you should take this out. And she probably left that in there on purpose because the woman has gone off the deep end as far as this is concerned. And I'm, like, like I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I'm going to, like, throw away every Harry Potter thing I've ever purchased and get my tattoo covered up or whatever because it's still part of my childhood, but I'm never giving J.K. Rowling my money again. I'm just not. Because, like, you have to be the worst kind of human to use the platform that she's using to be a worst kind of human. Like, it's just, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And and I want to hear the opinions on you guys as well. Because, like, for me, as somebody who's not, you know, a J.K. Rowling fan or Harry Potter fan in general, like, at the end of the day, this doesn't, I don't have a lot of stock in this discussion or whatever aside from i mean she's just one of many other celebrities who have said things come under fire for different things you know and but it doesn't really affect me you know um so i mean so for you guys who are harry potter fans i mean what does what does this mean for you i guess i almost feel like she's using all this just to get her name out there again because she was kind of starting to die off in uh media all the time and now with all this, she's constantly in the spotlight, even if it's for something bad. Because I honestly don't get how you go from like the Harry Potter series that is very inclusive and things like that to all the things that she is saying and doing now. I don't understand it. it I, I have to agree that I think that in some way it's almost an attention grab. <clears throat> mm -hmm. And like, why does she need the attention grab? I mean, she shouldn't at this point, but that's kind of what it seems like she's doing, like to stir up controversy. And, you know, I was kind of thinking about this, like the whole American dirt thing, like good, like good, bad, otherwise, no matter what, like is the controversy alone being done to sell more books? Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, well, her, her sales have plummeted. Like bookstores are like independent bookstores are refusing to carry her work. Um, there were a couple independent bookstores that I follow on social media that got copies of this Robert Galbraith novel and literally turned around and sent them back to the publisher at their loss, like at oh, a wow. financial bookstore. Like people are posting like, please don't call us and ask us if we have this book. Like independent bookstores who are not on board with JK Rowling are literally sending her books back. And that's where we are with this. Like, 
you aren't going to marginalize an entire community and just not offer one semblance of any kind of understanding or apology and expect to still have the same following. Like, hashtag FJK Rowling is floating around the book community like you wouldn't believe. Mm-hmm. So. I've also seen the hashtag RIP JK Rowling. Yeah. That's just mm-hmm. a lot of letters. It's a lot of letters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, like, at the end of the day, like, you have created arguably the biggest franchise in our modern history. Why, you know, like, why not just sit back and enjoy all the riches that are going to be coming to you until the day you die? I mean, why, I just don't get why, you know, like, feel the need to, you know, whether it is to get more book sales, which if that's the case, seems to be backfiring in terms of like uh, Mm -hmm. local bookstores, but, you know, or if it's just to get, you know, your notoriety Mm -hmm. out there. I mean, again, like, she very well could be like, you know, I, I don't really, I, I'm being way too hyperbolic with this, but she could be one of our generation's Shakespeare in that, you know, people, the, the, she could be somebody that hundreds of years from now, people are still talking about. I think before all of this started, like when Harry Potter ended, like when you, when she finished book seven at the top of her game, you know, whatever, that's where she was. And now she's almost like intentionally digging her own grave and knocking her legacy into the toilet. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like when people look back, like even now, like when I look back 50 years from now on like my Harry Potter love, like it's tainted, like it's forever tainted because the author turned out to be a crappy person. Like, and that sucks, but it is what it is. Like, we're stuck with it because she's mm-hmm. not going to change her mind. Like, she's not going to wake up tomorrow and be like, oh, my God, I'm not transphobic anymore. Like, that's just not life. Like, that's just not going to happen. What if, what if, like, you know, a couple years from now, she just, like, comes out on Twitter and pulls a whole Dumbledore was gay thing and says, oh, hey, I was transgender all along. Uh, then she's Becky Albertallying herself, and I'm going to be even more angry at that. <laughs> that, that joke kind of fell flat. Sorry, I'm real. There's like a whole thing going on. Did you guys watch the Love Simon movie? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the author of that, uh, you know, Mitch, you just Google that later when you're having fun. Um, but she <laughs> has written a bunch of like YA queer literature. And as a straight woman, a straight married white woman with children, has like said she's been bullied into coming out as bisexual when it wasn't safe for her to do so. And then she's been crying on Instagram and begging people for their mercy, but no one can find any evidence of her getting bullied. So she's basically making it up. It's a whole thing. Hmm. It's a whole thing. Hmm. Fall down that Instagram rabbit hole later. You'll thank me. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you slash text you when I'm still up at 4 a.m. Like looking at all these things. (laughs) Correct. Yes. (laughs) I will Uh, wake up to discuss them with you. Um. So let's move on to some happier things. Uh, Matt, you've got some information on the PS5, which I can only assume means the Pumpkin Spice 5. (laughs) I mean, it is pumpkin spice season, right? (laughs) Ooh, is it going to come out in pumpkin spice color? That can fit. I'd buy one then. No, I don't think so. No. At this point, the only color they've still announced is white. Perfect. All right. Um, I would buy an orange PS5. That would be pretty cool. 
be like those old school N64s yeah. that were green yeah. or blue yeah. or orange. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I bought a green N64 and intentionally bought an orange controller so that they didn't match because that's who I am. Anarchist. <laughs> <laughs> Just giving it to the man. No, you can't. Um, so uh, last week, Xbox, Microsoft announced their release date and prices. Um, it was kind of expected, but Sony um, uh, yesterday did the same. Uh, they officially announced that the PlayStation 5 will launch on November 12th. Um, the two versions, they also released prices. The digital-only version is going to be $400 or $399. Um, and the version that will require or have like a hard drive, like a disk drive, um, will be $499. Um, they were kind of sketchy on when pre-orders were going to be starting. Some sites were already taking pre-orders yesterday, today. Some places are not quite set up for pre-orders, so that's kind of a big snafu at the moment. Um, with even Microsoft taking a stab on their Twitter and Instagram feeds saying, um, we will let you know the exact date and time you can begin pre-ordering the Xbox Series S. Um, so, like, PlayStation went through and um, did a lot more trailers to go with release games, um, announced a couple of new games as well yesterday, but the big news was the price and the actual release date. And and I could be wrong, but um, that's, I mean, that's pretty comparable to what Xbox... Price-wise? Yeah. Um, Xbox, the the disk drive version is the same price. It's four ninety nine. dollars um, Xbox's Series S, which is their digital only, is two ninety nine, so oh, it's a hundred okay. less. Um, but there could be some debate as far as like the specs. Um, I've seen like tech specs on both of them, and it seems like the PlayStation version, um, <clears throat> the digital version, is a lot is closer to the disc drive version um, for the PlayStation Five than Xbox is. Like, there's a little bigger disparity on Xbox's side stat wise than there is on PlayStation's. Um, okay. So that may be the reason for the price fluctuation difference, you know, between the two. Um, so we've got a couple things uh, before we get to our reviews. Uh, first off, this isn't an official press release, but this was a new title that I found out about. It's coming out November 25th. Uh, it's from uh, source point press. It's called Dial P for Peanuts. It's by David C. Hayes, Michael Carey, and uh, Kurt Belcher. And it's available for pre-order now from uh, Diamond Comic Distributors. So it follows 10 friends, including Charles, Lucille, Sally, and Patricia. Yes, these are the grown-up Peanuts gang in an <laughs> Agatha Christie-like mystery. So um, <laughs> they are... Invited uh, by a remote island by Dr. Or I'm sorry, by Mr. I-Man. Um, and so as children, these were, you know, the best of friends, uh, but they grow apart as the world made them cynical adults who have done terrible things. Guys, I am so, like, I want this <laughs> so, so bad. Yeah, I want it. <laughs> we have to wait until November? Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Won't be there. Won't be any dancing after this one. I'm sure. There might be. There might be. Yeah. <laughs> Woodstock. Woodstock is long dead though. Aw. 
I mean, if they're grown adults. So is Snoopy. Yeah. See, I was going to say that first, but I thought that that'd be too sad. <laughs> Thanks for doing in my night. <laughs> <laughs> so... A couple of bits of news from Vault. Uh, so last week we told you about the autumnal number one going back for a second printing. Uh, so Vault Comics has announced that Martin Simmons will be the artist uh, for the second print cover, which will come out October 28th, uh, which is the same day as issue two. It's going to have two versions. The standard cover is going to be $3.99 or a foil cover with deluxe heavyweight uh, cardstock for $9.99. Uh, also from Vault, uh, heavy, which we talked about last week, uh, sold out at the distributor level on its release day and had the largest influx of immediate on-sale date reorders in Vault's history. Uh, oh, wow. a, new a new cover and release date for the second printing will be announced soon. Uh, yeah, I was able to pick up a hard copy of Heavy uh, yesterday, and I was, I was so happy. I was <laughs> Uh, finally, Give Comics Hope is a charitable initiative uh, to support local comic shops, and they are calling for public donations as well as high-value, unique items donated by industry professionals uh, for upcoming auctions. The auctions will raise an, additional, an initial slate of funds to be distributed to comic book stores in early 2021. Uh, the first auction will take place from October 28th through November 11th, with items valued at $500 or more. Um, if you're poor like me, the other auction, uh, which was be November 11th through December 11th, uh, will feature items with a value of $4.99 or less. Uh, you can also visit givecomicshope.org for details on other ways you can help. Uh, I think this is a fantastic idea. Uh, I mean, comic book stores, like a lot of other things this year, are hurting hardcore. Uh, so anything to help out is just fantastic. Yeah, I like that there's kind of like two separate auctions. There's going to be like high price items um, for those, like, I don't know. I say more well off, but like, you know, the wealthier of the comic book collectible crew. Um, and then there's, you know, this, the four ninety nine auction for like the rest of us. The, <laughs> yeah, the peasants. <laughs> <laughs> Rest common folk. <laughs> so a couple of reviews. Uh, these are both from Oni Press and will be out next week. Uh, the first one is Dryad. Um, it's by Curtis uh, Weeby, Justin Barcelo, uh, Justin Barcelo Osterling, Francesco Sagala, Jim Campbell, and Thomas Ols Olslack. Uh, so the Glass family tried to help Valencia stay alive, but we'll need the help of former friends to do it. Uh, I, I think I said this last issue, but like I really love how this book continues to play with different genres and how it's just it's a lot different, more different of a feel than the first issue. Uh, the last few pages, though, for me, like it kind of felt like the last four minutes or the last five minutes of a TV show where it's like it kind of leaves you on the edge of your seat with you've got like some big cliffhanger coming and you have no idea what's going on. But I was so excited. Uh, Matt, I know you had a chance to read it. What'd you think? Yeah, I feel like we got a couple of cliffhangers there at the end. Like, mm -hmm. like it's almost like, well, this was issue five. So I know a lot of times comic books run, what, like five or six issue, like arcs. Mm -hmm. And I kind of feel like this was like the end of that initial arc. 
But at the same time, like those last couple pages are just like an insane jumping off point for where this is going to go next. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, this just, this continues to check all my boxes, like everything about this I love. Um, and every time I kind of like, I don't know, there's, you're getting a lot of explanation about what's going on in this world. And I feel like every time I get an explanation, it's not exactly what I was expecting, which just makes the story deeper and the world more broad. And that is fantastic for me. I love that. Yeah. So also out next week from Oni Press is Rick and Morty Go to Hell. Uh, and it is by Ryan Ferrier, Costanza Orza, uh, Oroza, Sarah Stern, and Crank. So Rick and Morty must face uh, their greatest challenge, revealing the true nature of their souls. Meanwhile, hell is on the brink of a civil war. Tabitha, you had a chance to read this one. What'd you think? Um, I've really liked all the other issues of this because they've, you know, had that Rick and Morty, like, TV show vibe. It's basically just like reading a TV show. This one didn't make me laugh out loud. And all the other ones have actually made me laugh out loud. And I don't know if that's just the mood I'm in today or if it was the comic, but uh, it didn't have as many like good punchy one-liners. And honestly, I kind of am starting to feel like maybe they're dragging this out like a little longer than they needed to. Uh, still had that, you know, good fun Rick and Morty spirit. And I, at this point, need to know how this ends. But uh, this is something I can read once a couple weeks and know what's going on and I appreciate that because he told me about he was like yeah Dryad the thing we read and he started explaining it and I have no memory of reading any of that so here we are <laughs> check me into my home now but uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna keep reading these because I like them and it's like watching a Rick and Morty ep episode in the five minutes it takes me to read these so uh, for me uh, I don't really have much more to add that we haven't said before with this uh, with this series. Uh, I think it might have just been you and the mood that you're in today because it did make me laugh out loud. I guess we also do have very different senses of humor. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but it's been consistently fun and funny. Uh, I am excited to see how the series ties up. I know the next issue is going to be the last one. Um, also, I don't know about you, Tabitha, but I read... Um, the character Balagor the Sharp. He was like mm -hmm. the, the demon like dressed all in white or whatever. I kind of read him in uh, him's voice from Powerpuff Girls. Uh, that was like the dancing <laughs> one, right? Yeah. He had a little uh, sing song. The little Wonka guy. Uh -huh. Yeah, I didn't read it as anything until Rick made that reference that he was like Wonka. And then I kind of like started thinking about it and I'm like, oh my god, that was like Hell's Willy Wonka. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. So, all right, let's get into some gut reaction. Oof, gut reaction. And we're gonna start off. Um, I didn't even include this in our initial like rundown, but like the the Mandalorian trailer. Um, uh, I meant to watch this again because I watched it the day it was released. Uh, but it's so fun. Uh, giving it a giant thumbs up. Uh, I really feel like with season two, like with season, the trailer for season one, I feel like they purposely kept a lot of things hidden. And I know that they're keeping things hidden for season two, but they don't have to keep as much hidden. They obviously don't have to keep Baby Yoda hidden. Um, so 
I felt like mo- more excited for season two than I did for season one. I'm still here for it. Lydia. I still have such small Star Wars knowledge that I never watched the first season, but watching the trailer for this makes me want to go back and watch the first season, if only to actually get the full, like, feel of all things Baby Yoda, because, oh my god, that was adorable. (laughs) Thumbs up. I need to add that to my watch list now. (laughs) Matt. Um, The first season was fantastic, and I mean, honestly, Lydia, you can have, like, the reference, like, the point of reference you have for Star Wars is enough to watch and enjoy The Mandalorian as it is. Like, you wouldn't have to watch anything else, and you would know enough to, like, enjoy the series. Um, And I think that's one of the things I enjoy about it, is that it's, like, it's definitely, like, the heart and soul of the Star Wars universe, but at the same time, like, you don't, it's almost a separate tale. Um... And I don't know, it's, this trailer was fantastic. It had uh, some amazing, amazing visual moments. Um, And I, again, like, I can't wait. I I probably can't wait for season two more than I couldn't wait for season one at this point. So huge thumbs up. Tabitha. Um, This looks darker than the first season, just based on this trailer. Maybe that's why. (laughs) I'm here for it. Uh, Also Baby Yoda, Forever Baby Yoda. If I had more thumbs, I'd put them up. Like, (laughs) I just, I'm so ready for this. I was ready for this the second season one ended. So, yes. (laughs) I'm going to sit on that couch, and I'm going to cuddle my Baby Yoda doll, and I'm going to borrow Matt's Baby Yoda cup, and I'm going to enjoy my best life when this comes out. (laughs) (laughs) Lydia, we have a game trailer for Amnesia Rebirth. Yes, I am so excited about this, guys. Amnesia is one of my favorite horror game series, I think, ever. Um, The Amnesia Rebirth is going to be coming out October 20th. Uh, It follows a woman named, uh, let's see, Tossie Trianon? I don't know how to say her last name. Um, But it looks like it's going to be more of a direct sequel to the very first Amnesia, Amnesia the Dark Descent, rather than uh, a machine for pigs was because uh, it looks like the main character gets dropped in the middle of the Algerian desert, which is where um, the stone that causes all the mayhem in the first game comes from. So it looks creepy. It looks, uh, it looks awesome. I am super excited and it's coming out on PS4, which is great because I have a PC still. So giant <laughs> thumbs up from me. <laughs> Matt. Um, I have, I had not heard of this series, um, but watching this trailer, um, I'm not a huge horror game fan, but this looks like, it looks super creepy. It looks atmospheric. It looks dark. Um, I, I would be in for this. So thumbs up. Tabitha. Yeah. I would watch you play this with the lights on, but not with the lights on. (laughs) (laughs) Smart move. Yeah. This looks super creepy. Uh, but also, like, now it's one of those trailers where they show you just enough to be like, well, now I need all the backstory and the lore, and I need to know what happened. And then as soon as it was over, I'm like, I assume Rebirth implies that this was the second of something, because now I need to know what the first was. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I think My never-ending need for a backstory. I'm going to give this a thumbs up, even though I'll never watch Matt play it, because he'll forget that it exists. Because Amnesia? Because Amnesia. Oh. <laughs> 
Yes, I think this is technically the third game in the series, but this one looks like it's a more direct sequel than the actual second game is. Okay. Uh, yeah, for me, also thumbs up. Uh, it's games like this, which this game is the reason why I don't play video games, um, <laughs> which doesn't make a whole lot of sense why I'm giving a thumbs up. But if I were into video games, it, it's something like this it would be something that would tear me away from my friends and family and work and this podcast and everything until I beat it. Um, <laughs> it looked, yeah, it looks fun, creepy. Yes. Uh, I would, I would watch, I would watch somebody play it with the lights off. Um. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, if you want to come over and hang out and watch me play it, you're more than welcome to. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> but you are right, Matt. It's very atmospheric. That's one of the things I love about it is because it's more based on the atmosphere rather than, oh, here's a set of guns. Go attack that zombie. Yeah. yeah. I like those more. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt, let's talk about Monsterland. Uh, so Monsterland is an eight-episode anthology series. Uh, it is going to debut on Hulu. I forgot to write that down. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Hulu. <clears throat> yes, Hulu. Um, it is going to debut October 2nd. Um, it, it's just an overall, like, Halloween creepy series. Um, if you watch the trailer, it kind of gives clips from a bunch of the different episodes. Um, everything from a werewolf attack to a waitress who um, encounters a man that has human skins in his trunk. So all sorts of dark, dark and creepy um, uh, this is what I need for October for for uh, Halloween type viewing. Um, I'm looking forward to this. Thumbs up, Tabitha. Uh, yeah, I'm also going to give this a thumbs up because this looks like something I can just like turn on, watch an episode, and then turn it mm-hmm. off because it's very it seems very episodic. Additionally, had me at the creepy mermaid in the car that comes to life in the bathtub. Oh right, I'm ready. Let's do this. <clears throat> thumbs up. Yeah, super creepy. Uh, I am in for it from. October 1st through the 31st, but it's creepy enough to where it's like, come November 1st, I'm good and don't want anything to do with it until next October. But still, (laughs) thumbs up. Lydia. Yeah, I agree. It looks really cool and really creepy, and I definitely want to watch this. The only thing that bugged me about the trailer was the waitress's horrendous accent. Like, what were you even going for? Are you trying to be a redneck? Are you trying to be British? What, like, Pickling. <laughs> a British redneck. <laughs> well, even that she's failing at. So. <laughs> then she should just sound Scottish. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, Matt, we'll stick with you and Moonbase 8. So Moonbase 8 is a six-episode series from Showtime. Uh, it's premiering on November 8th, starring Fred Armisen, Ted Haydecker, and John C. Riley, <clears throat> they are subpar astronauts who are hoping to travel to the moon. Um, basically, they get stuck on a training base, which is not actually the moon, and then the um, shenanigans, I guess, that ensue. Um, I, as opposed as this view is in this household, um, I enjoy John C. Riley. Um, I think he's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> but honestly, like this trailer made me laugh maybe once or twice. 
Um, so I am probably actually going to go thumbs down on this because like Space Force came out, was not well received. This kind of looks like it's kind of like Space Force, but like astronauts instead of like the politics of it. But just it didn't grab me. It didn't it didn't make me laugh like I was hoping to. So Tabitha. Yeah, I don't like John C. Riley. Uh, <laughs> the best thing he's ever did was play Amos Hart in Chicago, and that's saying something. Um, this did not, like, I don't, like, I didn't even chuckle. And, like, usually at, like, funny trailers, I'll give a little ha-ha-ha. <laughs> but, like, I I don't know. This didn't, this didn't do anything for me. Um, except look like that kind of humor that's trying to be smart but ends up sounding real stupid. So I'm going to give this a thumbs down. Yeah, I'm going to give this a thumbs sideways. Um <laughs> I love Fred Armisen. John C. Riley is okay. Um, I went into this trailer wanting to like it, but it's I, I, I'm at the point where it's like it's either going to be pretty funny or pretty stupid. I don't know which one, uh, <laughs> but I'm not. It's not going to be something that I'm going to be watching like first day. So, Lydia. See, I disagree with you, Tabitha. I think that his best role is Ralph and Wreck-It Ralph, and that's as far as it goes. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> overall, this just kind of grated on my nerves. It's not my kind of humor, and it looks like it's going to try way too hard to be funny. So, yeah, I'm just going to go thumbs down. Uh, final trailer, uh, Synchronic. We'll go with that, because I'm not exactly sure. We were trying to figure that out earlier. <laughs> it's not said in the trailer, so it's up to This is those times where, you know, somebody says a word wrong because they've only ever read it and not heard it spoken. So, um, synchronic. Um, this is from Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. Um, it's starring Anthony Mackie and Jamie Dornan. They are a pair of New Orleans, New Orleans paramedics. Uh, that get mixed up with a mind-bending party drug. Um, it releases in theaters on October 23rd. Um, it really amounts to that these two get tied up with this drug, and the psychedelic drug messes with their knowledge of reality and the flow of time. Um, this, it, like, it was billed in the article that I read as sci-fi slash horror, um, and I, I love Anthony Mackie. I think he's fantastic. And this looks disturbing and like, like it says mind bending. Like, I'm not exactly sure where it goes. Cause every time I was watching this trailer, like thinking I kind of had a theme going, you end up with a Viking <laughs> and I'm like, huh? <laughs> now I need to know where the Viking came from and why. So thumbs up for me. Tabitha. Yeah, I'm also going to give this a thumbs up. However, I just realized that the other guy that's not Anthony Mackie is the guy that played the guy in Fifty Shades of Grey. That just hit me. Oh. Um, that's why they build his name as big. I'm like, I don't know who yeah, this guy is. You said his name, and I'm like, oh, oh I didn't recognize yeah, no, his face. I, I recognized his name. Um, <laughs> this looks like one of those things where I'm going to like walk away from it and have 10 million questions. Uh, is it something I would go to the theater and watch? No. Is it something that I would watch once it pops up on my Amazon Prime account? Probably. So I'm going to go thumb sideways. Uh, I'm also going to go thumb sideways. I actually didn't get around to watching this trailer. Um, but just from the description that Matt was giving, I'm like, okay, 
I'm 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 interested. So during one of my mini editing breaks tonight, I will probably go back and watch the trailer. <laughs> Lydia. Yeah, it looks very interesting. I with Matt, I kind of want to see what I want to see what the trailer leads you to. Ugh. Also, I'm really sad now because uh, Jamie Dornan is his name, by the way, and I know him from Once Upon a Time, and. I'm really sad now to know that he was in Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> but yeah, overall it looks cool. Thumbs up. Uh, Tabitha, we've got some news on Madonna. Oh, do we ever. So Madonna <laughs> is going to do the most Madonna thing ever and direct a biopic of Madonna's life. Um, she has written the script with Diablo Cody, which makes sense based on like Madonna's weird teenage years. So I get that. Uh, Amy Pascal is going to be producing and she worked with Madonna on A League of Their Own, which we can all agree is a national treasure. Um, it's already in development at Universal, so we're getting this. It's happening. Uh, we don't have any casting news yet, but my bet is that at some point Madonna plays Madonna. So I'm giving this a thumbs down. Dear Madonna, you're no longer relevant. Retire with grace. <laughs> Bye. Um, you know, I'm going to give this a thumbs up. I mean, when you're famous enough to have a hand in your own biopic, and I mean, at least this way, it's going to be accurate, or at least her idea of accurate. So, all right. Lydia. Yeah, this just seems like the most like excessive version of bragging ever. <laughs> like, I, I agree with Tabitha, just... just Sit back, relax, you, you're fine, you had your moment, you're done. Thumbs down. I just had a thought, though. Like, are we going to get to watch her British accent develop over the course of the film? <laughs> hmm. Man, I hope so. <laughs> Me too, because I would almost <laughs> watch that happen. <laughs> so, a new uh, DC Digital First series uh, called DC Represent is out. Uh, the first chapter is out for free right now on Comixology. Amazon Kindle, Apple Books, and more. Uh, the first chapter is called It's a Bird. It's written by Christian Cooper, and it follows Jules, who is a black teenager and is given a pair of binoculars to go bird watching. And then he also sees visions of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd. And then also uh, Cooper draws on his own personal experience. If you remember um, from earlier this, uh, this year, he was the, the guy bird watching and mm. woman... Mm. You know, was letting her dog run around without a leash, yada, yada. Yeah. Uh, I downloaded this, um, A, because I wanted to, and B, because it was free. Um, I, I was going to anyway, and then I was like, free, even better. Um, but I read this. It is fantastic. Um, it's, it's beautiful, poignant, uh, more episodes of Represent will be released in 2021. I cannot wait for this giant thumbs up. Lydia. Yeah, I agree that this sounds like a really good thing and a really bad time <laughs> of all this stuff. So I definitely want to go download this and read this. Uh, thumbs up. Matt. Uh, I don't really have anything to add, but this sounds like something that we need right now um, in the world and the climate that we are existing in. So thumbs up. Tabitha. Uh, literally what Matt said. Thumbs up. <laughs> um lydia we've got something that i don't know if the world needs or not it's a reboot on walker texas ranger 
Yeah, so we've known for a while that they're re rebooting Walker, Texas Ranger, and we've known uh, that Walker was going to be played by none other than Jared Padalecki from Supernatural. Um, we just recently got some further casting news saying that his wife will be played by none other than Jared Padalecki's in real life wife, Genevieve Padalecki. So uh, she is going to be uh, playing the reoccurring role I forgot her name. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> Mrs. Walker. Who is <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Texas Ranger. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, she has uh, died or got murdered or something. I don't remember what happened. I read the article and now I'm completely blanking on everything that I read. Um, but she is going to be appearing in flashbacks um, alongside her husband. And all I'm thinking is that they just need to make a reference to supernatural right now but thumbs up i think especially in the time that we're in if you're going to cast people to play husband and wife that they have to be very close to one another might as well be an actual husband and wife so there you go matt uh let's hope they have good on screen on screen chemistry they do okay um <laughs> I still don't think we need this as a reboot, but as far as casting news goes, um, I think it's cool that they're doing this. So thumbs up for that aspect of it. Would something like Walker, Texas Ranger be like a respur instead of a reboot? Lydia Bell. <laughs> Got it. Tabitha. <laughs> uh, I hate everything about this except Jared Padalecki. The end. Thumbs down. <laughs> That's uh, my whole opinion. <laughs> I'm going to go thumb sideways. I I like the idea of the casting choice. I'm kind of with Matt. I'm unsure that we need a reboot or respur of this uh, series, but I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I agree with you on that. Like, we don't need this, but if they're going to do it, I mean, it works. Yeah. So uh, we've got a string of MCU casting news. We're going to start. This one is a giant rumor. So take these with a grain of salt. Uh, but the current rumors say that Marvel Studios are looking at Lady Gaga as Emma Stone, or Emma, Emma Frost, not Emma Stone. <laughs> Emma Stone is not a Marvel character. <laughs> uh, so Lady Gaga as Emma Frost, uh, Harry Styles as Havoc, and Nick Jonas as... Oh, no. Hold on. Hold, please. You could have stopped with Nick Jonas as Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Harry Styles is in talks to play Pyro, and Nick Jonas is Havoc. Um, you know what? I'm giving Lady Gaga a giant thumbs up. Um, when I first saw this, now I can't see picture anybody else as Emma Frost. I think she would just be dynamite as that. The other two, I'm going to give a thumb sideways. Um, I know that Nick Jonas can act uh, i don't know that he's great as havoc but whatever and then with harry styles um yeah i don't i that that one is the oddball for me but uh lydia yeah i agree on lady gaga's emma frost that that one sounds really good the other two i'm not so sure about but i do want to know what is with the rumors of all of these singers as these characters all of a sudden like i feel like somebody got a little fan cast happy and just ran with it <laughs> if we get all these singers but we don't have dazzler in the mcu i'm gonna be real upset <laughs> yeah. matt i'm not sure how none of these singers are playing banshee 
Um, <laughs> to, gear, to be real. Um, I don't know. I, it sounds like... Uh, it just sounds like fan casting more than actual... I don't know. I, I know that MC, the MCU has not had really any missteps when it comes to casting, but I, I'm just skeptical, like, as a whole on the grouping, so I think I'm going to go thumbs down, because I just, I just don't know. Tabitha? I'm going to go thumbs up for Lady Gaga. I'm confused by the other two. It feels more like a Camp Rock reunion than it does, like, an MCU movie, and that, Truth. like throws me off like it feels like are we gonna get a musical mcu movie because i'm kind of here for it but at the same time also maybe not so thumbs sideways if we get if we get an mcu movie and a musical movie and we don't get hugh jackman back as wolverine i'm gonna be real real yeah i'm gonna riot yeah that would that would cause me to riot (laughs) agreed um matt you've got some ant-man 3 news you do um this actually broke earlier this week and um you know there has been rumor ever since the end of uh endgame who the next big bad is going to be for the mcu uh the biggest rumor has come down to being kang the conqueror who is a time traveler um and now it looks like we may actually have some casting as kang um the star of lovecast Lovecraft Country, Jonathan Majors, uh, has been cast, has officially been cast in a major role in Ant-Man 3. Those two rumors, like the rumor of Kang the Conqueror is essentially separate from the official casting of Jonathan Majors, um, but people are kind of putting two and two together, two and two together, and we're coming up with four. So... I don't know. People have even done not um, like art online of Jonathan Majors as Kang, and I'm I'm here for it. I think it would be awesome. I have not seen anything of Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country. I can't say that. I can't. I can't talk tonight. Period. I'm just gonna shut up. Thumbs Welcome up. Welcome to my world. <laughs> <laughs> Tabitha. Ugh. Uh, yeah, this, I, I agree with you just based on, like, what I've seen. Like, mm. I support that casting. This is casting I support, so thumbs up. Yeah, total thumbs up. Um, yeah, just from w- what I've seen, yeah, fantastic casting choice. Also, if it's true that he's going to be cast as Kang, and Kang is going to be the next big bad for the MCU, and he's going to make his debut in an Ant-Man movie, which has kind of been not a low-tier MCU movie, but, like, Definitely not, you know, considered one of the, the, the big ones or of the year or whatever. Uh, I think also speaks highly to Ant-Man's arc, which would be phenomenal as well. Lydia. I really don't have a frame of reference for this because my comic book knowledge is lax and I have not even made it anywhere near that end of the MCU. But you guys are excited, so I'm going to say a thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> Last bit of MCU casting news. Uh, So when asked if Thor Love and Thunder would be his last time playing Thor, uh, Chris Hemsworth said, quote, are you crazy? Uh, Imagine me with an Australian accent. I'm not even going to try it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) 
are you crazy? I'm not going into any retirement, period. Uh, Thor is way too young for, uh, for that. I'm only a, uh, 1,500 years old. It's definitely not a film that I say goodbye to this brand. Uh, at least I hope so. Uh, thumbs up. Uh, I, I've loved his portrayal as Thor. I think that we've already lost two big Avengers and I, you know, and granted, yes, we are making way to, you know, have like a new generation of MCU heroes, but I think that there is still room for some of the original heroes. And if Thor wants to still be a part of that, then more power to him. Lydia. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I feel like all the ones that have been in the MCU up to this point pretty much are the characters at this point. So if there is room for Thor to be in it, then it definitely needs to be Chris Hemsworth. Thumbs up. I love Chris Hemsworth as Thor. Um, and I know that he kind of mentioned in this article that he thinks that what he's read from um, Love and Thunder is even better than Ragnarok. And despite the fact that Ragnarok is my least favorite of the Thor movies, um, keeping him as Thor in the MCU, huge thumbs up. Tabitha. I love his like just personality, especially when it comes to stuff like this, because he's never like, I don't know. He's always so like punchy with it. And like, like saying he's 15 and like, it's, he's just so cute. He's just so, you want to pinch his cheeks. Um, <laughs> uh, thumbs up. He could be Thor forever. I'd be happy with it. Uh, Tabitha, this is the last story for gut reaction. Uh, you've got something about the university of Glasgow. So more places we can't go right now. But the University of Glasgow is opening a research center focusing on the fantasy genre. Um, it's called the Center for Fantasy and the Fantastic, and it was officially launched yesterday. Uh, the center is going to be led by Dr. Demetria Feeney, who is a Tolkien expert, and Dr. Rob Maslin, who was actually the first person to get a PhD in fantasy studies. Um, students there are already researching fantasy for their PhDs. Uh, one is delving into Terry Pratchett's Discworld and how it uh, affected literature around the time period that it was released. Um, someone else is obviously re researching Tolkien and the way his books affect um, like a younger generation. And then um, someone else is doing um, their dissertation on the way fantasy literature is portrayed in stage and theater. Things I didn't go to college for, things I have regrets about. Thumbs up for the people who are getting to go to this that are not me, but yeah. So now we know what Doctor Who has his doctorate in. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, this sounds amazing. Thumbs up and I wonder if they have a uh, study abroad program. Lydia. <laughs> Yes, I haven't gone to college, and I don't know what I would go for, but if I were to go to college, this would be what I would want to go for. <laughs> can, can I just, like, go over there, please? Uh, thumbs up. Matt. I need my PhD, and I need it now. Like, I, I, need, to, <laughs> I need to go do this. Like, how did I? It's I'm, new, to be fair. It's new. It is new. It's new. There's still time. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's not too late, Matt. I don't know. It's never I too late, dear. I love this. I'm just angry and jealous for people to get to have PhDs in fantasy literature. That just <laughs> seems unfair to me. So uh, I'm going to give a thumbs down to them, but a thumbs <laughs> up for uh, the fact that this is a thing now. 
so a few more stories to talk about. The first one, Matt, uh, you've got a story about Funko. So we've all seen the meme. The this is fine with the dog and the coffee cup and the room is on fire. Um, that was that that meme was based on a comic strip from 2013, a comic strip called Gun Show by Casey Green. Funko is releasing a pop of this dog surrounded by fire with his coffee mug that says this is fine. If this is not the most 2020 thing of the year, I don't know what is. Um, it was originally planned as a New York Comic Con exclusive, but well, since 2020, and you know, this is fine. Um, they are going to be available for pre-order from Entertainment Earth for $13.99. Estimated shipping date is sometime in December. Um, and as of tonight before show, they are still available for pre-order, but they pretty much are expected that they will sell out like very quickly because... 2020 oh, <laughs> undoubtedly like i i want one of these right now because it's like, i want like five perfect. of them on my desk <laughs> <laughs> yeah i need like, one for work yeah <laughs> like your boss gives you another project and you're you just show the pop this is fine yeah <laughs> just sit it on top of whatever pile got sat on my desk <laughs> there you go. uh Guys, we haven't had a good food story in a while, and y'all gave me food stories this week. So, uh, Matt, let's start with you, and we've got some new Rick and Morty Pringles. Yeah, you said good food stories. I just gave you a food story. It's not good. Uh, so, the, apparently the Pickle Rick Pringles chips were such a hit that we're getting two more flavors um, for a limited time only, only at Walmart. Um... We are getting honey mustard Morty and look at me. I'm cheddar and sour cream. The uh, honey mustard is obviously Morty themed. The look at me. I'm cheddar and sour cream is uh, Mr. B seeks. So they will have corresponding uh, tubes, you know, yellow for Morty and blue for me seeks. I think the tubes are pretty funny looking like those are entertaining, but I, you know, I don't know why we need these. Um, available now until supplies last. So get them while you can. <laughs> or don't. <laughs> I feel like, because like, yes, there are there have been plenty of other honey mustard flavored things, but like, I don't really know that many chips are honey mustard flavored, so I'm okay with that. But there are other like cheddar and sour cream, like that's a normal flavored chip. Like, mm -hmm. if you're gonna do something like Rick and Morty, do something weird, like Pickle flavored, or yeah, and they just recently changed the package of that uh, flavor to blue anyway, so they're really not that different. So it's just putting the Meeseeks face on the blue canister. Yeah, mm. cutting corn. Marketing is a foul beast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess with Pringles, I mean they're Ugh. they are geniuses at cutting corners because the canister is round anyway. Uh, so, moving on, and hopefully you guys can hear this because we had a little bit of technical difficulties. We haven't had many technical difficulties lately, so it's kind of fun, you know? No, it's not fun. Is it? It's not fun at all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, Lydia, you had a story about Taco Bell. Yeah, so Taco Bell, you know, everyone's favorite hangover food, apparently decided that, you know, let's just cut out the middleman and do alcohol. Um, because 
I don't remember when they started it, but they started a, like a secondary uh, restaurant called the Can- Taco Bell Cantina a while mm-hmm. back that like dabbles in uh, margaritas. Uh, they just had a beer come out recently. Well, you know, what, what would Taco Bell be without, you know, a, a good side of wine? Because that's the perfect thing for Taco Bell food, apparently. Um, Taco Bell is coming out with their own wine called Jalapeno Noir. It is a uh, Pinot Noir uh, produced by Queenston Mile Vineyard in Ontario, Canada. And the wine is saying that it's probably going to be around like 20 ish dollars. And they are going to release like three different labels so that they can be collectible. And it is only. Um, I don't know if it's a limited release or, yeah, a limited edition thing. But, you know, since it's in Canada, you cannot get it in the United States at the moment, or possibly ever. Um, But they came out with this wine to pair with this new Chalupa that they're releasing, because the outside of the Chalupa has um, melted cheese on the outside of it, and, you know, you can't have cheese without wine is apparently their thought process. That's their logic? Yeah, so, you know. Uh, I, I don't... Mm-mm. Just stick no with tacos, tacos, guys. I'm, I'm not paying $20 for Taco Bell wine. I don't pay no. $20 for wine wine as I'm the cheapest <laughs> human because I can drink it in 10 minutes. I basically put a straw in it and drink it like a juice box on the couch. I'm not going to give you $20. <laughs> <laughs> See, and my thing too is like, it's called jalapeno noir. So you would think it would be like spicy or like pepper type of wine, which I've, I've seen before. But yeah. then down at the bottom, it says that it's a red wine with notes of wild strawberry, cherry, and beetroot. That's not spicy. So where's That's the not spicy at all. So where's the jalapeno come in? On the <laughs> label. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> I, I so, all right. So what is less um, Mexican? <laughs> a jalapeno wine from Taco Bell or a Mountain Dew margarita from Red Lobster? Mm. Okay, so when I saw this, I thought it was fake because I was like, 2020 can't possibly be this bad. But it is. Uh, Red Lobster and Pepsi have teamed up to make the grossest thing I've ever heard of. Uh, Uh, It is a Mountain Dew flavored margarita available only at Red Lobster. Uh, I'm just going to read you my notes because I was on one when I was writing these because I was in a bad mood at work today. Uh, my note says, confirming Red Lobster is for white trash people who want to feel fancy on Mother's Day. (laughs) (laughs) This is evidently Mountain Dew's first officially sanctioned cocktail, which is evidently a thing. Um, but I'm going to save you guys some time. Uh, if you want this, make yourself a margarita, replace your, uh, sweet and sour mix with Mountain Dew, and voila, you have a Mountain Dew margarita. You're all welcome, and this way no one gets, uh, food poisoning from a chain seafood restaurant in the middle of the country. (laughs) Don't eat seafood when you can't see the sea. (laughs) Mic drop. (laughs) I hate Red Lobster. (laughs) I also hate Mountain Dew. Like the smell, taste of Mountain Dew sometimes makes me gag. So I just, I hate all of it. Like I hate everything about this. 
But I feel like they also like use like the cheapest tequila, like like Montezuma or something like that in this oh. margarita. I'm sure. It's not going to be paired with your top shelf Don Julio and Mountain Dew. Like the creators <laughs> of tequila are rolling over in their graves. Get one of these and pair with your lobster tail. Oh my god! Oh, <laughs> and like that is—it's such a sweet, like syrupy beverage. And like, why are you drinking? Okay, why are you drinking Mountain Dew adjacent to your seafood dinner in the first place? And then why are, why are you, you drinking a margarita with your seafood dinner? Right, that doesn't make sense to me. I, you know what? To each their own. You know, if you're going to go get yourself some middle-of-the-country food poisoning and you want to spice it up with a margarita, I have faith in you. You do that. You spend that Mother's Day money. You wait in line for 45 minutes for no reason. Get your Cheddar Bay Biscuits on. You do you. But I'm not doing that. <laughs> D-E-W-I-N-G that. <laughs> <laughs> I have a you lot know. of feelings about this. Like, I was... Like, when I was writing my notes, I kept having to back out cuss words because I was on my work computer. <laughs> like, Sorry, IT department. Delete, delete, delete. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying I'm going to go out of my way, but, like, I work next door to Red Lobster, so, like, depending on the price points, I wouldn't not try it. Mitch, I will make you a deal. If you go get yourself a two-liter Mountain Dew and you bring it to me, I will make you your own so you don't have to patronize red lobster and be way cheaper because and what, i'm very expensive like... i already have tequila i already have triple sec i have margarita salt you bring the mountain dew and i got you and i'm gonna keep you out of the food poisoning okay uh so we've got one last story uh i kind of left out got felt left out because i didn't have a food story but um i've got another mouth-watering story i guess still um, so Saturday night, something, uh, interesting popped up on Chris Evans, Instagram story. And we were, uh, Tabitha was actually the one to kind of bring this to our attention. You're all welcome. <laughs> uh, it was taken down pretty quickly, but it was a screen grab. Uh, well, it was like a video, but it ended with a screen grab of somebody's camera roll. It's assumed that it's Chris Evans, but we're not 100% for sure. Uh, featuring a meme of him with like the caption that says, like, guard that. But then it also <laughs> featured, uh, well, somebody's manhood. And yeah, so that was everybody's exciting Saturday night. But the, the, the best sad. part about this, you never been what? More sad to have not been on Instagram at that moment. <laughs> That's the real failure of 2020. <laughs> um, but I initially wasn't going to bring this up, but like a couple reasons why I decided to. Um, a, uh, how his fan base, like instead of... Um, like making light of the situation, you know, they were kind of like, oh, hey, let's uh, show these other more wholesome pictures of Chris Evans, you know, like with puppies and stuff and whatever. But the main reason um, this was a couple days after everything, he tweeted out, now that I've got your attention, make sure you vote on November 3rd. 
<laughs> which I thought was fantastic. Um, you know, it, fantastic way to make light of the situation, but also bring real world topics into said conversation. Yeah. Even though he's not quite as wholesome as Captain America, as <laughs> Saturday Night has proven, he's still pretty wholesome. This is the best part of my weekend. <laughs> I also just love, like, in that tweet, the little emojis and, like, the face palm and then the shrug, like, you know, whatever. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and it's like, and it's kind of owning it, because you've had celebrities who, like, deny and, you know, like, deflect and whatever, and it's just kind of like, without him coming right out and saying, yeah, you all saw my junk, you know, it's like, still just like, you know, just like, hey, it is what it is. Yep. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yep, gotta, gotta be careful on that Instagram. So, uh, that is going to do it for this episode of The Geek Awakens. We'll be back next week, but in the meantime, be sure to follow us on Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, we won't be having any kind of interesting posts on Instagram, but... Uh... No, not safe. <laughs> <laughs> but you can tell us about what cool stuff we're missing out on. Uh, any questions, comments, or concerns, choose an email at Podcast at gmail.com. From all of us at the Geek Awakens, thanks for listening, and we hope to see you next time. Everybody say bye. Bye. bye.